fueled by the outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Rick Cates, and this evening I am by myself. This is going to be a short podcast tonight. Chris is actually out scouting deer and sending me pictures of them standing in bean fields as we speak. While I would really enjoy to be out doing that kind of stuff, Um, unfortunately where I am, it's mainly wooded areas, so there's no bean fields around me, but also for the fact of I'm leaving for a trip tomorrow, so Hence the reason we are doing kind of what we would describe as a supplemental podcast this week. It's not going to be a sit-down where we cover a topic where we kind of banter back and forth or we have a guest to go over things. This kind of falls in line uh, of the same thing as what we did with the conservation ones earlier on, Fair Chase Ethic, the Jim Posowitz podcast, those type of things. So kind of in in the spirit of this, I was thinking, you know, what, what can I podcast about? What can I talk about? You know, Chris did the boundaries one, you know, earlier in the month and we did the one where we were talking about hunting buddies and this all kind of plays into something that, um, I feel is important. You know, we are doing the mobile hunting expo and we've been talking a ton about deer scouting and how these things are important to how we scout kind of out east and in the Midwest and how, you know, certain things are integral into how a lot of us have learned how to deer hunt, especially within the past 10 to 20 years. Um, You know, I can think of before a certain point of learning a certain way, but, you know, if you look at the past two decades, a lot of things have changed in the whitetail world for Eastern hunters in terms of how you scout, how you can look at things and how you can do things. The main one being trail cams. Now we have discussed this at a multitude of levels on our podcast previously with different cell cams, how to place them, you know, having to shim them down to look down at an area. If you're getting up high in a tree, making sure that they're in a good spot so people don't steal them, being respectful of people's stuff. Um, all all part of the you know eastern midwestern white tail world that we are all very familiar with so recently um if you listen to meat eater if you follow any type of conservation news online or you know realistically it was i believe it was in the paper too something recently happened out west and it's the first state if i'm not mistaken uh where they have banned the entire year of trail cam use. Uh, Arizona, I believe on June 26th, is uh, the, I'm sorry, June 11th, the Arizona Game and Fish Department voted uh, unanimously to ban trail cameras. And their idea, you know, in banning them is to help aid in the promotion of fair chase. And they said uh, they're banning trail cameras for the purpose of taking or aiding in the take of wildlife or locating wildlife for the purpose of taking or aiding in the take of wildlife, according to the bill. Lots of lawyers speak there. Basically, what it breaks down to is Arizona Game Fish voted unanimously, said you're not allowed to put out a game cam anymore if you're going to use that to photograph wildlife that you plan on hunting. Uh, you can, however, 
keep a trail cam out if you are using it for the purpose of protection or wildlife viewing. We, um, I think we've talked about this before in here. There's a lot of people out west who actually, yes, some in the east too, who do what is really like wildlife photography, but they go into it with trail cams and they try to get the perfect setup picture of these animals. And these aren't just like your typical 100 to even maxed out 250 types. These are thousands of dollar trail cams. You know, we're talking five, $6,000 with super mega high pixel resolutions, you know, bear protected boxes, the whole nine yards. So if you're using a trail cam for that purpose in Arizona, you're allowed to continue to do it. You can't just say, oh, I'm doing that with your, you know, Tasco $25 one, uh, and then end up shooting it later on because you're going to end up with a big fine and probably get your license yanked out there. So the ban is is going to take first the target date is January 1st 2022 and they're doing it again like I said uh, for fair chase purposes or the fair chase doctrine which we've discussed on here before you know Jim Posowitz wrote about it in Beyond Fair Chase and the idea that they're going uh, by is the fair chase doctrine which says you know you pay respect to the traditions of hunting and angling by emphasizing the development of an individual's skills rather than reliance on practices or technologies that overwhelm the quarry's ability to elude detection or take. Uh, this is directly from the Arizona Game and Fish Department website. Now, uh, this gets into a really hairy area because some people believe that even if you're using a trail cam, it's still fair chase. I know that for you know Boone and Crockett purposes, if you have the deer on trail cam and you're using the trail cam to actively get the deer, you cannot register said deer, elk, whatever, with Boone and Crockett if it is a Boone and Crockett animal. Um, the bigger aspect of this is that it is across private and public land. Um, they're saying that this will ensure that we protect the quality of the experience, that we protect the wildlife itself, and that are being pursued under the Fair Chase Doctrine. Um, they've been monitoring the use of the trail cameras since 2016, and you know, with technology becoming cheaper and more accessible, they this is the reason why they put the ban into place. You know, with multiple advancements in tech. And being able to, you know, use cell cell phone um, cameras, which can send video uh, pictures directly to your phone, there was a larger concern that it's going to start affecting, you know, deer populations. I believe that we uh, talked about a story that was on here previously about, um, you know, a mule deer walking to a water hole. That's primarily where a lot of people put their um, cameras at in Arizona is on water holes because it's the best place for you to get a picture of an animal that you're going to hunt. And this mule deer walks up to the water hole and it looked like the Super Bowl because so many camera flashes went off. And they're saying now also that that is, you know, preventing deer and other animals from getting close enough to water holes and that it's, you know, preventing them from, you know, doing the things that deer do and that it's, creating larger issues overall for the state. 
Now, this is where I think as a Eastern hunter, it's kind of hard for us to, you know, view this from any other stance of, you know, what's the big deal? You know, what, why, why is it a big deal if I put a, a trail cam out there uh, in the woods and try to get a picture of the deer? And, and realistically, um, I'm on that side of it. I don't see anything wrong with trail cams. I think that they're great. I think so long as you're not abusing the um, the animals said space or anything like that, it's perfectly reasonable. I don't know exactly what all kind of goes on out in Arizona. I, I just see it as kind of a watershed moment in conservation in the United States because other states have already introduced legislation with this. Again, Western states. Nevada already has a ban in place that, you know, you can't have trail cams out. I believe it's for half the year, for six months out of the year. You cannot have trail cams out. Utah currently has legislation in place. So I kind of bring all this stuff up to say this. If you like using your trail cams, if you want to continue to look at it as that's part of fair chase, you know, things shift over time. And, you know, some people believe that you need to go back to the traditional way of doing things. And I'm all for woodsmanship. I'm all for learning how to do stuff. But a trail cam can be a very helpful tool. And I do believe it's become kind of part of fair chase. It's not like you can go in there and kill the animal immediately in, in that, you know, in that sense. You know, you could put a trail cam up. I'm the prime number one example of this. I had three bucks on camera last year. Didn't see a one of them. Not one. The entire deer season last season. And I mean, I hunted that area a good bit. Never saw those animals. Were in there around those same times. Animals never came in. A game camera doesn't mean that you're going to get the animal. Does it let you know what's in the area? Absolutely. And I think this is a point that's up for discussion for a lot of hunters that are teaching and learning not only new hunters, but also for themselves as they continue to move through their hunting lives. And this leads to the bigger question of what happens if this gets introduced in your state. The best thing that you can do is write your you know, state senator, state lawmaker, um, state wildlife board, if this stuff gets um, introduced in your state or if it's something that comes up, you know, most uh, DNRs put what they are looking at doing on their websites. You just need to keep an eye on it. So as, as a steward of the land and as a conservationist, as a hunter, or even a forager, whatever, outdoors person, if you don't want that stuff happening, make sure that you're staying involved and you're staying up to date on that kind of stuff. You know, this again could be a slippery slope or it could just be kind of a one-off. Um, you know, I struggle with this because the wildlife commission is made up of biologists. I mean, there's biologists on that board out in Arizona. And if they're saying, look, you know, we can, you know, adamantly prove that it is, you know, creating an issue for, these animals and it's causing an issue then you know by gosh i can understand it but i think that part of where you start to lose me is where you say well it violates fair chase well you know you're saying it violates fair chase but there's certain other things that you're 
allowing people to do that would probably violate fair chase too. So where where does the where does the line get drawn? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and you like you have to be able to prove it. But beside the point, if you are hoping to keep this stuff in your state, please by all means, um, if it does get introduced, call your state senator, your representative, and also talk to your local law enforcement, uh, wildlife law enforcement. They're the ones who are putting boots on the ground who can give you more information. And, you know, write your state bi- uh, biologist. Look up their reports. Look up the, you know, surveys and that kind of stuff. If they ask you to participate in a survey, help them out, do that kind of stuff, because it all goes into being able to help um, prevent things like this happening. Now, that being said, I said this happens on public and private land. And what what you tend to see now is a lot more cameras on public land. Now, is that due to, you know, people just being out more on public land? Is it due to more cameras being cheaper and accessible and you're able to throw them up on there and not have to worry about it? It's possible. The other thing to kind of look at, and uh, a team member brought this up, and he was kind of saying, you know, it, it, it sucks that there's not a ton of farms for me to get out on. He has a very little amount of public land that he can actually get to. And he says, you know, I would love to be able to go out to some of these farms, but, you know, they're all leased up. And then when I go to public, you know, there's tons of trail cams or there's tons of pressure. Or the one, you know, WMA he particularly goes to gets consistent pressure all year long from people going and hiking on it. Um, it's near a certain place. It got a lot of press due to some, you know, land features and it's absolutely been flooded with people. Now, leasing opportunities are taking up a lot of the private land that you would normally be, have been able to hunt, you know, maybe 20 years ago, hell, even 10 years ago. So it is pushing more people onto public land. So again, what do you do about this? And we've discussed this multiple times is go where the people aren't. Go where the people aren't. It doesn't mean you got to be like on top of the bucks in their bed or on top of the does in their browse area. You know, you want to get close enough or walk a little bit further than what most people will or go to an area that looks like a good area where, you know, you don't see stands. And this is where preseason scouting comes in big time. And I realize everybody can't do that all the time. But if you have the ability, it's extremely helpful for you to be able to go out and do that kind of stuff in order to help yourself out more during the season. Uh, This also leads into (laughs) us uh, doing the mobile hunting expo because so much of public and private hunting uh, has become, you know, a running gun thing. And you know, we talk about this during turkey season. And, and you know what? I, I love, I love running gun turkey hunting. It is, it is just absolutely the best. I think that there's nothing better, you know, hunting wise for bur- like for turkeys at least uh, to running gun. Uh, but for a whitetail, it's a little bit different, you know, with mobile setups, you know, the climber, the one stick that Chris keeps talking about, uh, you know, uh, small mobile steps with a hang-on stand, you know, your lone wolves, your XOPs, whatever they may be, it allows you to be a little bit more mobile. And you'll see this more and more as you get onto public land because you'll go out 
and you'll be in an area. And I mean, it happened to me, I think, last year. Whereas I went and I looked at an area, I'm like, man, this looks really good. And no stands there, so I get everything, you know, this is where I'm going to go. And then I show up the next day, and there's a guy with a hanging hunt and a set of <clears throat> steps and aiders. And we get to talking, and he's like, well, I'm going over. He's like, I was thinking about going over here. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's where I was planning on going. And, and you know, sure enough, you know, you'll find out that it is a double-edged sword. It's nice because it lets you get deeper in past people, which is what I which is what I ended up doing. But also it doesn't allow you to properly look to see, you know, how many people might be in an area. You know, one of the better things to do, you know, at least over here in Kentucky, you're supposed to take your stands down two weeks uh after the season's over and you can only put them up two weeks before. So while it's not completely advantageous uh to go and look for stands before that two weeks there's also a lot of people who keep their stands up, you know, despite what the rules say in the in the uh, in the regs. So it makes it a little bit tough sometimes to be able to go in there and look to see, well, okay, well, there's stands over here, there's stands over there, and you might pick a good spot, but you better have four to five good spots, and that that's that's really you know of ultimate importance. So I say all that to kind of finish up with the fair chase thing. Fair chase, in my mind, is allowing yourself and the animal to have an equal opportunity to be able to have the hunt present itself. A trail camera does not, it might change a buck's movement. It doesn't change the fact that the buck might still walk through there. It's kind of the chicken and the egg question. Which came first? How do you know that's going to happen? You don't know. If a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? We don't know. Because, well, I mean, if you have a trail cam, I guess you could. But, you know, you you don't necessarily know. And I think that that's the bigger part of this is that is this just some, you know, arbitrary rule that they're putting out there uh, for the whole year to try to curb things to see what ends up happening here? Or is it actually based off data that's going to, sh- that's going to bear that out? I hope that... It is based off data, and I want to believe that it is. I didn't, uh, you know, see anything with with regards to um, the information uh, that they were presenting during it. But you know, half a year makes a lot more sense than the whole year. And you know, while we do want to follow the North American model of wildlife conservation, that's you know basically set up every principle that we've ever used for governing conservation efforts. We also want to make sure that this is something that is applicable and is going, if it does get, you know, moved into other states, that it is worked for, it's it's done to create balance. Like, there has to be talk between the hunters and the game commissions in order for this stuff to work. Otherwise, you end up with really angry hunters or a really frustrated game commission. And I think that the you know, trying to balance the use of technology and respecting wildlife is, you know, certainly the responsibility of the commission and that, you know, the balance is essential to us having animals to hunt. You know, I keep going back to just because you have pictures doesn't mean you kill the deer. And, you know, whether you believe that's fair chase or not is up for um, debate. 
And I think that this is a question that we'll pose again in the future. I think it's a question that if you have uh, thoughts on, please feel free to email us uh, at the elite outdoors one at gmail.com or, you know, shoot us a message, shoot me or Chris a message uh, through the page and we will be happy, happy to be able to, um, you know, talk about this, look at it more and, you know, possibly even have you on to discuss it. it it's, it's a super odd thing. Um, you know, I think in, in terms of technological stuff, we all know like drones and that kind of stuff were going to be outlawed because, you know, they can be used to harass deer. Trail cams, I feel like it's a slippery slope, but, you know, as we move into this, you know, new century, new, you know, new time in the hunting world with all these cool new gadgets and stuff that are going on, you know, we do have to set the line somewhere. And I'm hoping that it doesn't mean, you know, the death of the trail cam because I know, like you all, I really, really, really enjoy getting pictures of those big bucks every year and being able to show them to my friends and being able to just kind of be infatuated that there's something that cool out there waiting for us when we get in the woods. So with that, this has been fueled by the outdoors guys. I've been your host, Rick Cates. I appreciate you listening and thanks again. Talk to you later. Bye. And that will do it for our podcast today. Please remember to subscribe, like, review on all major podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, TuneIn, CastBox, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. As always, we are available for contact at theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. That is theeliteoutdoors, the number one, at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you next time.